Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. Hopefully you're having a fantastic day. Welcome back to the Intermission Sports. Um, as you can tell, they've decided to upgrade the town jester as the host, so to say, of this podcast. I'm Julian Quintero. You might know me for previous podcasts where I give outrageous takes, say anything in order to be entertaining. Well, expect a really goofy episode up ahead as we give our World Cup preview uh, I am joined by Abhinav Tirumala and Mauricio Ponce. How are you boys doing? Doing excellent, sir. Excellent today. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. So the World Cup, obviously, we're recording this literally the day before the first match. Qatar-Ecuador kicks off tomorrow. And I, I got to be honest, this World Cup looks to be really interesting. A lot of things, a lot of potential storylines coming into it. A lot of things can go right and a lot of things can go wrong in this World Cup for a lot of these national teams. And honestly, I'm so excited for it. As someone who just loves the most chaotic outcome, the craziest outcomes possible, I feel like this World Cup, especially with all the controversy that's been around it, it's going to throw up something interesting. 100%. This is going to be – well, we all know this tournament is not like any other tournament that we've ever come across hmm. for a myriad of reasons, good and bad. But at the end of the day – like the tournament's here, it's at our doorstep. Nothing we can do to change it now. Uh, all we can do is try and enjoy the World Cup. You know, it's the, it's literally the epitome of the game. Everything. I don't know about you, but this is one of the things that got me in love with the in with in love with soccer in the first place. So, just I'm absolutely buzzing for this World Cup. A lot of exciting storylines, a lot of interesting storylines. Who's going to perform good? Who's going to perform bad? I got a uh, I got a couple of uh, hot takes uh, ready for you guys. I think I I pretty pretty much being uh, on the same boat as both the gentlemen who spoke before me, right? And uh, for me, actually, there was a 2014 World Cup that really got me super interested, like seeing uh, seeing some uh, nations like Costa Rica rise. Shout out to Arsenal legend Joe Campbell, Joe Campbell, right? And uh, I think this World Cup is maybe one of the most interesting ones we've had. Because Russia 2018, it uh, it was interesting in a in a way because Croatia made the final and Mbappe's rise, but I think this one will have something even more special in store for us, despite like all the things that have gone on in quite a bit. As World Cup is a bunch of things that can be thrown up. We have a, like the main storylines, obviously being you know it's Messi's last World Cup, Modric's last World Cup, Ronaldo's last World Cup. It's the last World Cup for a lot of people from this past generation that have been absolutely phenomenal. The faces of this generation, the faces of football, essentially for almost the last twenty years, a lot of them now coming to the back half of their career. A lot of them are going to be uh, retiring from international ball after this tournament. So it's going to be really fun to see. Obviously, we're seeing a lot of hype around some of these teams so let's talk about that what teams have the most hype in the sense that who do you think is going to be walking out of here the winners of the world cup mauricio gonna put me on spot already yeah i like it um i'm gonna be honest i do think the world cup is gonna find its home in south america whether that be between brazil or argentina those are my two front runners for this tournament brazil my only beef with brazil I'd say their only weakness in terms of squad is left back. Not the best in terms of uh, depth. Alex Tellez is going to be a starter, if I'm not mistaken. But other than that, they have an absolute squad. Neymar's been playing like a man possessed for Brazil as of late. Uh, Vinicius finally got it, got into the team, and he's um, 
he's an absolute stud. He's going to provide. They have a really solid defense as well. Amazing goalkeeper core. It's going to get real hard. It's going to be real hard to get past his Brazil side. On the flip side, Argentina. Everyone's been talking about Argentina. Like you said previously, it's Messi's last World Cup. What's he going to bring to? How is he going to lead his nation this time? Obviously, 2018 wasn't the best showing for Argentina, but that I would say that was more down to coaching, squad, a lot of that. They didn't have the best squad out there, in my opinion, in 2018. They didn't have the best tactics manager as well. So this is a completely brand-new-look Argentina side. They've been on an absolute tear in qualifiers. Um, really, really excited to see what Messi can do. Uh, another big player that I wanted to shout out for Argentina can be make or break for them uh, is going to be uh, Christian Romero. Absolute colossus in the back. He's also a horrible little git. He's going to try and get under this. He, he loves to get under the skin of players, rough them up, this and that, get in their heads, talk all this shit, and it's going to be absolutely amazing. I love to see things like that. If he's firing on all forms, if he's playing like a colossus, uh, as you know, it starts from the back. So, so they, they, if they can, um, if he can get that defense in line it's only going to be uh it's only going to be a dub from there in my opinion just because of argentina's squad depth their squad seems to be the most well-rounded in my opinion what about you abinav what are you thinking uh i fall on the same note in terms of brazil right i think just in terms of pure talent everywhere except obviously the fullback spots they have almost they have a better squad than pretty much anybody right and i think like with players like neymar Anthony, Gabriel Jesus, right? And uh, hopefully Vinicius if he starts, right? They have a lot of players who can do a, who can do a large variety of things, right? And also in their midfield, right? You have players like Paqueta, Casemiro, and Fred. He And although he hasn't been the greatest at club form, he is still very good when he plays for Brazil. And their defense is, and their defense is still really good. And even if that doesn't work, you still have Alisson or Ederson at the back. So you don't have to be too, too worried if you're Brazil. And I think Neymar is going into this World Cup like a man on a mission, right? Because if you see him with PSG, he isn't up to his usual stuff, right? You aren't seeing as many headlines in the media and all that. He has like a much more business-like mentality, I feel. So I think that Brazil will take this World Cup. I have another prediction, which I'll save, which I'll save for later. But I think the overwhelming favorite is Brazil. I would have to agree. My the team that I have winning as well is this Brazilian side. The Sundas looked phenomenal. And if we're looking at Carnival qualifying, them and Argentina have been on another level. And then if people Different just go, class. if people just go, oh, Carnival, you know, it's a weaker division, you know, like they didn't have to play these European nations or anything. That's totally fine. I understand that point of view. Still, though, Argentina went out and beat Italy 3-0. Argentina's gone out and they've beaten any of the European teams that's come out in front of them. So have Brazil. They've been arguably the two best teams in the world. I think one of them might be the ones lifting that trophy. But if I have to give a dark horse for this, and I'm going to be honest, the way they've been turn playing this tournament, how good they've been scoring, how good they've been defensively, give me the Netherlands. I think Holland is coming into this World Cup with I a love completely that. reinvigorated team. They missed the 2018 World Cup after finishing not only, I believe it was what, third place in Brazil, and then finishing runners-up in South Africa missing that 2018 World Cup in Russia was huge for them in such a they also had a disappointing way. Euros too. Have a disappointing Euros in that sense. So this team is back coming in a big way. This team is coming for throats, and I, I don't see a reason why they can't. You know, 
You look at how this team is structured from the back all the way to the front, their main concern being in goal. But even then, Justin Bilo has been a phenomenal goalkeeper for them throughout this entire aspect. And if push comes to shove, they have uh, Andreas Knopper. Knopper is a six foot eight goalkeeper. Definitely their Tim Cruel type of pick for if things come to penalty shootout, it feels like. This team, despite goalkeeping being their main issue, you look at the back, you got the lit, you got Van Dyke. They have Dumfries, Frimpong. They have an absolutely great structure in the defensive front. They'll be able to push you up and play high press, but they're going to be able to drop back and make sure that they don't break. That midfield, it's a really interesting midfield for me because that midfield is just, to be quite frank, nothing insane, but it's a bunch of dudes that will play hardworking, box-to-box football and will try to get the job done. Main guy, obviously, being Frankie de Jong, but I want to give a shout-out to Steven Berghaus. He's been a really good player, and he's going to be a great engine piece. Martin Darun, also another player to look out for in that midfield. But obviously, the main talk is going to be around this attack. You have Memphis Depay, who can play in the middle. He can play on the wing. Gakpo has been a phenomenal player to have on this roster. He's been a great addition. And then, obviously, my favorite thing about all these World Cups are what players are going to step up that people don't expect to. I'm expecting a big tournament from the big men in the middle, whether it be Luke de Jong or whether it be Walt Weghurst. They've both been amazing players. Oh, sorry about that. They've both been fantastic players in terms of being big number nine dudes in the middle that can take up space, that can head the ball. And when you have guys like Bergvine on the wing, Depay on the wing, Long on the wing, Gakpo on the wing, heck, and you even through the middle, you have guys like Kenneth Taylor and Javi Simons coming through. These guys are going to be trying to cross the ball in, and you're going to have these big dudes in the middle answer. So it'd be it'd be nice to see Luke de Jong have a nice tournament after all the flack that he got from his time at Barcelona. It would be cool to see Volt Veghorst doing pretty solid for this team as well. But I just think this team top to bottom in terms of what they have tactically, not only are they hungry, but those tactics are going to be carrying them throughout this World Cup, I feel. So I'm excited to see what they can do. But speaking on the topic of scoring goals... Let's get right into the top goal scorers here. I'm going to go with the guy. I just mentioned him as well. And I'm going to mention him again here. I'm going to go with Memphis Depay for the Netherlands. I think he's going to have an absolutely fantastic tournament. Everyone remembers what? We go back 10 years. Memphis Depay is the next one up. He's going to be the next massive thing in the world of football. And I feel like people aren't talking about it, but he's quietly done that. He's made himself a staple at Barcelona. He's proven that he's an absolute talent. I feel like his sit in Manchester United really diminished him. But if we're looking at what he's done for this Netherlands team, the guy led all of Europe or tied in leading all of Europe as a top goal scorer in the qualifiers. He always steps up for this Netherlands team and he's going to be motivated in this tournament. I think that Memphis Depay is coming in and taking the golden boot in Qatar. What do you think, Abedov? Me personally, I would actually have to go with Neymar from Brazil, just based on the just based on this one fact, right? Brazil is probably the best team in terms of attacking talent that they have. We like we've all mentioned the names previously, right? Anthony, Vinicius, Gabriel Jesus, right? <clears throat> you also you, know, you also have players like Rafinha, Rafinha there too, Martinelli, right? But above all those guys is obviously Neymar. He's he's also only I believe he's two goals away from breaking Pele's record, right? So I think that he's gonna uh, he's gonna play like this as a man possessed, and he's also the guy who will most likely take the penalties for Brazil, right? Which will just add to his goal total. And as we know, the Brazilians do get a lot of penalties. I'll just say that. <laughs> and and I think uh, ultimately Brazil will is also just that much better than the other teams they are that they will be facing. So I think. If, 
uh, it'll just go to Neymar based just alone on that fact, just because he's the main guy for Brazil, right? And if it was me, how I would line up, I would actually play Neymar through the middle, put Vinicius on the right. Sorry, put Vinicius on the left and put uh, Anthony or Rafinha on the right. So that way, because Neymar is going to be the main man in the middle, right? He'll be fed a lot easier, basically. Fair. I, obviously, Neymar is going to be touted to have a pretty solid tournament, and I think it's going to be pretty good to see. Because he can definitely be the guy for this Brazilian team, and he's going to want to try to be locked in in what might be his final tournament as well, especially because we don't know when Neymar is going to retire. There's been so many rumors about what, what he's going to be doing with his career. Absolutely. Wow. Who's the top scorer in this World Cup? We know Mal always is 100% with everything he says. So Come on, let's, don't, don't let's, do that to me. <laughs> no, don't, 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 don't do that to me. People are going to pull up the receipts. <laughs> then I'm going to be called a fraud. No, but I'm going to be honest. I'm going, I'm going with gut instinct, and I don't like it, but gut instinct, I'm going to go with Harry Kane, top scorer. Top scorer last year, 2018. If you guys watched the tournament like I did, not one impressive goal. Doesn't matter. They go in anyway the same. Like Abnav says, uh, Neymar's on pens. Harry Kane's on pens. No doubt about that. And I think the English might get more pens than the uh, Brazilians just because, you know, uh, when Harry Kane dives and simulates for pens, it's clever. But if Mo Salah does it, he's a cheat. But let's, that's a completely different conversation. But Harry Kane is smart and knows how to get pens in the box. Also that he is a finisher. He doesn't need – he can take – he can make a half chance into a full chance. Uh, he's a quality number nine. Can't take none of that away from um, Harry Kane. I'm not even too high on England on this tournament, but they even if they make it to the quarters, he can definitely notch in around six, seven goals. So I'm just having – I'm just going to shoot him in as my top scorer. I do want to say, though, that I do like that Memphis Depay shout. That's an excellent shout for top scorer. No, I think it's going to be a good tournament. We're going to see a lot of really interesting guys and other dudes to potentially shout out for. You have that duo in Serbia. Mitrovic Oof. is really good in qualifiers. Vlahovic is a fantastic striker. They also have Jovic on the bench, too. Yeah, they got they, three good striking options. Let's see Serbia for a little bit later, though, I yeah. think. Oh, we'll see. They deserve a bit more. They have, they, have a, they have a good chance, potentially, when it comes to what can be top scored. You can't discount, let's say, your Ronaldo's of the world. You can't Never. discount Lionel Messi. These are obviously the bigger names. You know, you can't fully discount them. But this World Cup's going to have a lot of surprises in this aspect. But one of the main things that I think is interesting is if we look at 2018, coming into the tournament, the young players coming in, the hype was all about your Mbappe. You know, there was a bunch of hype around some young dudes in 2018, a bunch of hype in 2014. I personally don't think there's been an insane amount of hype in terms of what youth players there are in this tournament, but there's some absolute studs Absolutely. when it comes to what this tournament can throw up. So I want to throw it off with Abhinav first. Who do you think is going to be the young player of this tournament? I think it'll be one of two midfielders, one for England, one for France. The first guy I'd have to go with is Jude Bellingham, right? Because I think just in terms of pure talent and in terms of pure potential, right? Other than maybe Phil Foden, I think Jude Bellingham easily has the most in the entire England squad. And he should be one of the guaranteed starters alongside Declan I agree. West for me. Right? And Jude Bellingham, we know how good he is. He's been playing in the, uh, in the Champions League since he was 18 years old, right? I believe, he, I, I believe he's also Dortmund's best player in the Champions League this season. Five and matches, four goals to be so exact. So he's proven that he can deliver on a big stage. And that's right. 
And uh, I think Jude Bellingham, it's his time to deliver. And I think that he'll be able to finally make good on all the, on all the hype that was given to him. And I think he'll end up being England's best player. And I think the best young player in the tournament too. There's also one more midfielder. This one's from France, right? Aurelien Flamin, right? I think he will be the, the key to France's midfield because the usual two uh, pairing of two that we have, which is Paul Pogba and Golo Kante, both of them are missing the tournament due to injury. And Chuomeni, he's been class for Real Madrid this season. He stepped perfectly into the role filled by Casemiro, who was one of, if not the best defensive midfielder in the world. And I think that Chuomeni will make good on that potential because I have a prediction about France coming up a little bit later, right? So I just want to build to that. But I think he's going to be one, one of, if not the reasons that this French team does well. So I think he'll win it ultimately. Fair. What about you, Mal? What What are you feeling here for when it comes to I threw to two this? on you, but Abdev, I'm not mad at all. He he uh, said Jude Bellingham, which is one of mine. So, and he per- he could he said it better than I could have. Jude Bellingham is an absolute stud. He's going to be the future of Liverpool's midfield one day, hopefully, maybe. If not, then definitely Real Madrid, which will make me cry, but he's a baller. Can't take nothing away from him. He is definitely the future of England's midfield. Um, but just to make things a little bit more interesting, the two that I'm going to go for, uh, Moises Caicedo from Ecuador. Uh, me and Julian have been talking about um, Ecuador's going under a silent uh, golden generation right now in terms of youth talent. Uh, Moises Caicedo is an absolute Rolls Royce of a midfielder. Physical, great in the tackle, eye for a pass. He's getting his finishing up. Um, obviously, he's the center mid. Don't expect him to bang in all the goals, but he's starting to show an eye for a goal, uh, an, an, an eye for a key pass, and he's going to be an absolute main piece of that Ecuador team. If anything, if Ecuador does anything good this tournament, it's going to have to go through Moy Caicedo, in my opinion. Second of all, the second player I'd like to um, – talk about which we haven't really said a, a, a lot or I haven't heard about him a lot which is honestly disrespectful Jamal Musiala mm. Jamal Musiala is an absolute god England has to be kicking themselves day and night knowing that they could have had him and he chose Germany you because, imagine that midfield if it was Musiala, oh don't even imagine a midfield of, 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 of Rice Bellingham and Musiala England's midfield that'd be a new that'd be a new uh, golden generation of England's midfield but Jamal Musiala, he can play on the left. He can play uh, through the middle as a 10. He's offered so much attacking-wise. Very young, energetic. I, I, I honestly, like, there's so much to say about Jamal Musiala that I honestly don't want to say anything because I just want you to say, watch Germany this tournament mm-hmm. because Musiala is going to be right out. Yeah, Musiala is going to be one of the bigger dudes coming through for Germany. I think he's definitely going to be trying to spearhead that despite his young age. Gonna try to spearhead that team. He's been phenomenal for Bayern Munich this year. So we'll see what he can provide. If I may uh, jump in really quick, just to throw quick stats in, because who doesn't love stats? He's got um, 11 goals and six assists in about 21 games. That's fantastic. For a 19-year-old starting at Bayern Munich, listen, I don't know what more else I can say. The guy's going amazing. He's having a fantastic season. And if I'm talking about guys who are probably going to carry their national team, guys that are young, guys that have something to prove as well, my shout is going to be kind of out of left field. It's going to be a nation that a lot of people really aren't looking at. But give me Takefusa Kubo. 
fantastic player out of Japan. The man can Oof. create out of left, out of right, through the middle. Fantastic player all around for this Japanese team. And quite frankly, I have some solid thoughts about this Japan team throughout this tournament. I feel like they'll surprise a lot of teams. And one of the main things is going to be Takefusa Kubo stepping up major. Sure, they have guys like Ito, but as a whole, the team is Kubo's. Kubo is the future of the team. He's 21 and he's already in talks to potentially even become the captain of the team. He's the face of this team. That's and as amazing. such a young player who has the burdens to massive thing for a nation, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to take Japan out of the group stage and maybe even make some noise. We'll see. But regardless, I feel like Real Madrid has been wasting Kubo and what he could do. And I feel like a lot of teams are going to see Kubo this tournament and they're going to be like, you know what? This guy might be him. I feel like this, Excellent this is going shout. to be his nice little shout. Give a nice little shout to... Uh, Smaller nations, smaller players in this aspect. But speaking Excellent. of surprises, let's get right into this part. What teams are going to surprise us in a good way? Every tournament you have these teams, you look back at 2014, you have Costa Rica. You look at 2018, you have Croatia's miracle run, and you have Russia having a solid tournament as well in 2018. We always have these teams that come through surprises in really good ways and provide some absolutely phenomenal football. So with that being said, Mao. What team should we expect be expecting to have a good tournament? I wrote down uh, three. One of them you covered already in the Netherlands. I'm really high on the Netherlands. As you said, you uh, explained it really nice. They missed out on the 2018 World Cup, which had to be brutal for them. Uh, had a disappointing Euros campaign. They also lost the Nations League final. International football for the Dutch hasn't been the best as of late in terms of results. But as you as we can see now, they're having an influx of really, really good youth talent, uh, some big, uh, how, how would you say, um, they have starters that have been in the team for a while, so there's a good mix of experience and youth. Uh, for the Netherlands, another uh, surprising, I'm putting them on the surprising good list, is the young players they got uh, available, Davy Simmons, stud, Kenneth Taylor, stud, and like you said earlier, um, Gakpo, I think he's going to be the game changer for the Netherlands in this tournament. Cody Gakpo, left winger, 23 years old, 6'2", so he's got a, a, a nice frame, but he's still pretty rapid. And just for his take a look at a quick look at his season stats, 13 goals and 17 assists in 24 comps. That is no. absolutely ridiculous. Those are messy numbers. It is November, and he's got a stat line that you'd be happy of ending the season on. So I'm really, really looking forward to uh, Cody Gakpo seeing what he can do and this Netherlands team as well. Uh, Denmark, I'm really excited to see what Denmark can do. Um, I think they're going to surprise us in a good way. I'm really, really, really looking forward to see how that midfield is going to perform. They have a very, very balanced midfield. Uh, Christian Eriksen provided eight key passes versus France in the Nations League when they beat them. Eight key passes. I'll say it again. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, Delaney, solid holding midfielder, and um, Hoiberg. That midfield three is solid, can create, can hold, can defend, and can just uh, dish out the ball. Another really important for Denmark uh, is going to be Skov Olsen on that wing cutting in. He's uh, tall, 6'3", very, very tall, but insanely rapid, wand of a left peg. They have pieces in this team that can make noise. I think they're going to be surprising in a good way. And then the last team I put is Serbia. Serbia is also going through, I'd say, a silent golden generation of talent right now. 
if you wanted me to just list list off some of the uh, names, uh, midfield you have Milinkovic Savic, uh, Ivan Illich, a uh, young midfielder coming out of um, Serie A, uh, Dusan Tadic, absolutely world class, can play in the midfield, can play in the wing, can play up front. It's probably gonna be um, his last World Cup as well. It, yeah, he's he's getting up there in age, but he's still very quality. He's always quality for Serbia. You have Mitrovic, you have Dusan Blahovic, you have uh, Luka Jovic, um, Filip Kostic. They have an abundance of talent. I think I put them, Serbia, as my dark, horse, dark horses personally. I think they can get to the quarters, if not farther, in this tournament. Fair. Abinov. You have one of the teams on here that I want to talk about, but there's other teams that I want to cover as well. And as the resident Canadian, so to say, in this call, I feel like you should be the one to tackle it. Who are the surprising teams? I think I kind of just gave one away here, but let's see. Uh, I don't know. Let me think. Uh, uh, Brazil. No, I'm joking. It's Canada. I think Canada is going to surprise a lot of people in this World Cup, right? Maybe it is. Maybe this is a little patriotic pride and a little uh, glowing and a little glowingness, right? But I think just in terms of the talent, right, and the European talent on the roster, Canada actually in the squad. Sorry, Canada have a lot more European talent than most people realize. For example, if you look at our national team, right? Obviously you have the main man, Alfonso Davies. He's a stud for Bayern Munich, right? You also have players like Tejan Buchanan, who has been who has been very good for Club Brugge. And he's actually been starting as a right wing back, right? You also have Kyle Aaron. He hasn't been, the, he hasn't been in the best of form in recent months, but he is still the top scorer on this team. And then of course you have Jonathan David, right? in the attack. And Jonathan David, I believe he's the third highest goal scorer in Liga. I think only Messi and Neymar have more goals than him. I believe I believe he has nine goals on the season so far for Leo, right? You also have players like Stefan Ustakio, who's been amazing in the Champions League this year. Right? And although, and although the defense is not the greatest, you do still have European veterans like Stefan Vittoria, Talius Sport. And Milan Borjan, if any of us watched the World Cup qualifiers, Milan Borjan was amazing for Canada, right? Oh. Especially in the Canada-Mexico game. I was there live. Trust me, I was watching that game. <laughs> well, he, saved solid us, keeper. he saved us. Solid he was, I, I just want to put it out to two things as well. It's just Borjan, he could have been a part of that Serbian generation as well, funnily enough. And so right. it's, it's glad to see that he's here in, with Canada this time for this tournament and for the national team. But just one thing about Milan Borhan has nothing to do with the team. I want to right. see this guy wearing the pants in Qatar. I know it's going to be hot as heck, but oh, I absolutely. want him wearing the pants. The goalkeeper pants. Well, absolutely. We need Kirali 2.0 from Euro 2016. Yes. <laughs> and, and I mean, hey, Milan Borhan, he pulled a reverse Asmir Begovic because Begovic played for Bosnia instead of Canada, right? So yeah. I'm happy that Borhan decided to play for us. And Ultimately, I think Canada does have enough to just make it out of the group based purely just on that attack, right? And before I uh, and before I trail off and give it back to you, Julian, I, we got to mention that Tiba Hutchinson, right? He's a stalwart so on that side. I'm so happy for this guy because he was part of that same Canada team that lost eight nil to Honduras, and now he's going to the World Cup. He hasn't, had the, he hasn't had the best season at Besiktas. He has been very injured, and I don't, I don't think he's actually played this season yet. But he's been, a, he's been the captain of that squad and the national team. He's been at Besiktas for 10 years now, and he's also a very solid, solid midfielder. 
Like, I think Canada's going to surprise a lot of people. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good shot all around. I wanted to talk a bit of Canada as well. I really like this team, but I feel like our resident Canadian should have been the one to cover it. And it gives me more space to talk about the three teams that I think are going to surprise us here. Firstly, mentioned it earlier, so I'm going to say it once. I'm going to say it again. Ecuador's going through a little bit of a golden generation. I am not a fan of Ecuador in the sense because of the, all the run-up to the World Cup, the cheating involving fielding an illegal player. It honestly cost my country, Colombia, a spot at this World Cup potentially, you know? Am I salty? A little bit. I'm not going to lie. A little bit salty. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is this. Put that aside. Ecuador, at their best, has been phenomenal. They stomped my Colombia team 6-1 in the qualifiers. And if we're looking at their youth players, they have some fantastic guys here. We already talked about Moises Caicedo. You look at the defense, Piero Incapié has been really good. William Pacho for Antwerp has been a really good player for them as well. Uh, you have Pervis, you have the trio from Brighton. You have Pervis Estupiñan, Moises Caicedo, and you have uh, Jeremy Sarmiento. They've yep. all been really good players. And Brighton have been amazing this season. If they're able to carry that form and the way they've been playing for the national team, it's going to be good. But you look in the midfield, I'm seeing two big names, whether it's out wide or through the middle, and that is Gonzalo Plata from Real Valladolid. The main guy on a team that is so young. Look at Angel Mena from Leon. He has been a fantastic player throughout his career, not been able to fully show it, but whenever Ecuador plays, he brings it. He's been a fantastic player for them. I believe he is their captain. I'm not 100% certain, but... He is one of the few veteran presence on this team. The main veteran presence I can think of are Angel Mena, Enid Valencia, and Alexander Dominguez. Those are the main veteran guys. But you look at what they're running. They're running Moises Ramirez in net. He's 22 years old. Up top, apart from Enid Valencia, they're bringing on guys like Michael Estrada and Kevin Rodriguez. They are all 22 years old or younger. Don't have a ton of plays at their current club because they just moved two larger clubs in Latin America, they're going to want to make some nice little names for themselves for this national team to see if they're up next up top. They have a bunch of these young players scattered throughout this team. And all I'm saying is I think they're playing really well. They've really took it to Brazil and Argentina in the qualifiers. They were a really solid team. They were consistently that third best team out of Latin America trying to make noise when they could. And they've just been making the results happen. They're a fantastic team. I feel like a lot of people are sleeping on them because they're not a big-name nation. But if you look at it objectively, if a team that is this young does well at this tournament, you're looking at what should be a golden generation that I think most people are ignoring because they're not that flashy. Mm -hmm. Speaking of flashy, let's go back to Takefusa Kubo real quick. Japan, I have them coming out of the group. I know it's a hot take, but they are a fantastic team top to bottom. They always play with a good structure. Heck, if, you, if anyone out there watches anime, which isn't even like a main thing, you look at Blue Lock, it's a fictional anime, but one of the main points that they make is simple. We don't have that egotistical number nine or egotistical attacker to try to make the game theirs. I think they found that now with Takefusa Kubo. I think Kubo can step up, be their guy, be the guy that guides them up top. But man, it's just going to be really intriguing to see with Kubo on this team. But all around, Japan just have a really fantastic squad. They always play well at these tournaments. They always do through the best of their abilities when they're coming here. Um, what's the name? Takehiro 
Uh, Tomiyasu in the defense, fantastic defender. He's been really good for Arsenal. He's going to try to be carrying this team even further. He's going to be a fantastic guy to have in the back. You have a veteran president like Yoshida. You have Hiroki Ito for Stuttgart being a fantastic player for them as well. Of course, you can't talk about uh, Takefusa Kubo without talking about the guy who left Liverpool and has been fantastic for Monaco so far, Takumi Minamino. Very good player as well for them. Junior Ito is a fantastic guy to look forward to. And up top, I think we should definitely look out for the Celtic man, Dyson Maeda. He's been a really good player for them as well. All in all, you look at Daichi Kamada as well. This Japan team have some great dudes to create throughout. And I think they're going to make some noise. I think they're definitely going to bring up a lot of things throughout. Because quite frankly, I don't have a much that much faith in Spain. And I mean, I could cover that once I go right into our next one being uh, teams that I think are going to be surprisingly bad. I think Spain's going to drop the ball, and I'll cover them in a sec, but I think Japan's going to be the one that's going to rise up. And before I cover them, I just want to say real quick, the last team I'm looking forward to is Ghana. They didn't do that great in qualifiers, so you can say, oh, that's not going to be their thing. But look at it this way. They have a bunch of players coming in just for this tournament that declared Inyaki Williams now plays for Ghana. You have, what is it, Kylam Hudson-Odoi now plays for Ghana, I believe it is. Kylam Hudson-Odoi. Um... On top of that, you have Tariq Lamte. Lamte is a fantastic player as well. And so Ghana, I feel like they can definitely surprise some people. I feel like they're in a group that they can definitely benefit from. They're in a group that, you know, they're with Uruguay, Korea, Portugal. I feel a lot of people feel like this group is completely out of reach. I want to completely disagree. I feel like Ghana can definitely come in and make some noise for this national team. And I feel like they can come in and, and do their thing. And with that being said, of teams that I think are going to do surprisingly bad, I'm going to mention Spain again, mention them just a little bit in that little bit beforehand, but hopping over to the teams that are going to be doing surprisingly bad. This Spanish national team is not that great. Obviously, they have great talents in the midfield, but you look defensively, there's no one on this defensive front that I'm loving. Eric Garcia got called up over Sergio Ramos. They don't have a true leader on this national team, it feels like. Unai Simón's a solid goalkeeper, so I'm not going to have a lot of worries with them in net. But the defense in front of them, I'm just not feeling that confident. Their midfield's really good, don't get me wrong. But their attack, they have good wingers like Ansu Fati. They have, uh, what's his name? Uh, I, I can't even say his name. Uh, Mikel Ayarra. Oyarzabal. Oyarzabal, yeah. You got to take the Basque for that pronunciation. Oyarzabal, because he's been a really good player as well. That left foot is... But objectively, look at it this way. Who do they have in the striker position? Morata's a solid option, I guess. No, Especially not. with the way that they've played. They play as if they don't have a striker. They play like they don't have a guy to finish those chances. And in this World Cup, I feel like that's going to be their main downfall. And with not having as strong of a back line, I think it's going to cost them. Someone along the same vein, which is also why I said I was high on Ghana, Portugal. Now, this one might be a bit of a shock, and this is more so my – this isn't even my uh, crazy pick for who I think is going to be surprisingly bad. But Portugal's coming into this tournament is all going to come down to how much does Ronaldo affect this team. Defensively, they have some solid players here and there, specifically Gonzalo Inacio. In the midfield, they seem kind of solid, but nothing special in my opinion. And up top is where all their flair is. Because you have guys like Rafael Leal. You have Joao Felix. You have Cristiano Ronaldo. You have Gonzalo Ramos, who's been coming through in Benfica. He's been a good player as well. So... On paper, they should be making out of this group no problem, no issue. But I feel like with all the things that are coming along with Ronaldo, unless he's able to completely change his mentality and help Portugal 
through it all and not have any controversy, I think it might really hurt the locker room. And if that's the case, I think Portugal, we're going to see a bit of a 2010 France. Fantastic squad. Great comparison. Great comparison. Broken locker room. But there's going to be some internal issues, some dichotomy problems that's going to cause this team to flounder. And my last surprisingly bad pick, because I mentioned how much I like Canada. Abinov talked about Canada. That means one of those bigger club teams, whether it's Belgium or Croatia, is going to have a bad tournament. Spoiler alert, both of them are going to have a bad tournament. Ooh, I, I like it. I feel like they're like both going to drop. They're going to drop like significantly. And obviously, I could have talked about Morocco as well in the surprisingly good category, but objectively, it's this. This Morocco team is also going through a bit of a golden generation type feel for them. They're bringing Hakim Ziyech back into the fold for this national team, and he's an absolutely amazing player that you want to have. Belgium, they're at the back half of their golden generation. I'm not saying they don't have good players. KDB is absolutely phenomenal. But defensively, they are one of the slowest teams. If I may may jump in real quick, just add a quick comment. We've been in the midst of a Belgian golden generation since, what, 2014? Yeah. What have they won? Nothing. Okay. Golden what? Golden what? <laughs> I'm not hot. I just wanted to get that out because I fully agree with you. I'm tired of this Belgian golden generation and Belgium dark horse nonsense because we hear it every single tournament, whether it be the Euros or the World Cup. Although they yeah. did have a good 2018 World Cup. Come on. Really? Please. They're, Please. they're a solid team. I'm not saying they're not, but all in all, it's this. I feel like with the aging that this team has gone through, their defense is really slow. And when you're, and that's the same issue I feel like Croatia has in terms of their speed. The difference is Croatia has guard view. Vario, yeah. He can come in and cause some, like, a great thing for them defensively for Croatia. But I feel like both of them defensively being so slow, being so stiff, which is a play style that we see so frequently in Europe. When you have a team like Canada, who is one of the highest scoring teams in all of FIFA qualifiers, and you have a team like Morocco, who's known for hard pressing you in the first half and just running and running and running in that first half to try to tire you out. Sure, their stamina not might be great, but if they score two goals there, you're going to be on the back foot. And I don't think Belgium or Croatia are going to be able to answer that. I think they're going to have objectively bad tournaments, and it's kind of crazy to say, but I think Belgium's overhyped, and I feel like Croatia, despite my love for Luka Modric and the fact that they had a fantastic run in 2018, I think this might be the end of the road for both of these teams and their current generation of football. What about you, Abinav? How are you feeling here? I mean, I agree with you guys uh, both about, about Belgium rating everything you said. Like, uh, and also, this is another thing that I feel isn't really brought up. We always hear about how good this Belgian attack, what attack is, and all that, right? But if you look at their strikers right now, who do you really trust to be the World Cup winning number nine because Romelo, I don't, I certainly don't trust Romelo Lukaku right now with the form that he's been in in the past few years. I understand. Uh, I just want to jump in real quick. I 100% I agree with you. Uh, however, I do want to say Romelo does like to, he does usually turn up for Belgium. So oh, while I agree with you, while I agree with you, uh, in terms of that, like they, their their attacking options are definitely skimp, one million percent. Right. And like and and you're right, Lukaku does turn up. I believe he's actually their all-time top leading scorer, right? But uh, yes. with the form that he's been in recently, I don't know. If it's I, not. I it know doesn't. If it's not inspiring you. It's not inspiring you to to back him. There you go. I understand completely. It's not a guarantee, right? And then you have Michi Batshuayi. Is this FIFA 15? Come on now. Like, and uh, also Belgium's back line, right? You have Toby Alderweireld still starting. That's insane. 
I, I think that's I think that about says it all, right? And for my other bad pick, I was I was going to say uh, Mexico, right? But I think you guys would be more knowledgeable about the Mexican athletes. Let me take that one over respectfully. Oh, oh yeah, I'm gonna give it to you, right? <laughs> I'm gonna go with the United States of America. There was oh, one man God, someone said it. Team back, right? And his name is Greg Burhalter. This guy. I think I think he is one of, if not the worst managers in international football, right? Yes. Just his style of play, the fact that after a loss, he went to the media and said, "Oh, I thought we I thought we did a decent job, and I thought we and I thought we we were winning." After he lost to Canada in in his home country, Canada had not been the U.S. on their soil for such a long time now, and. I just believe that Greg Berhalter, his negative style of play, the fact that he chose not to take Ricardo Pepe, even though he's arguably their most talented number nine. He was their best striker in qualifying, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely, he was. Zach Steffen, he's also been left on. He's also been left uh, off the squad for some reason. I know Zach Steffen hasn't exactly been in the greatest of form, but Zach Steffen, he was your number one goalkeeper during qualifying. He was yeah. the guy who consistently turned up for the United States, and he also chose to leave him at home. And I just don't trust Greg Berhalter's judgment. I think he will be the reason that the U.S. finished third in their group. Yeah. I mean, for me, like, I like this U.S. team in terms of the talent. We know that's obviously not their issue. Their issue is coming down to this managerial style. But I don't know. I I just have a feeling that, you know, they're still going to put on a solid tournament. But then again, it is the World Cup. We don't even know. But like I said, whether it's you guys thinking U.S. is going to come bottom as their hot take or me thinking that they might do well, let's get into our most controversial takes for this World Cup. I already mentioned my being Canada and Morocco going through. I like both of these teams. They're both fantastic all around. And I feel like they're going to be surprising a lot of teams in this tournament, and I feel like they deserve the recognition that is going to be coming with it. Um, and my other one... Mal messaged it at the start, and I'm going to stick with it because I think it might be controversial. I think this is a Latin American World Cup. I have a lot of my chips on this Brazilian team. Argentina looks fantastic. And if we're running off of recent form, Uruguay has been an absolutely fantastic team when it comes to it. So when push comes to shove, I feel like Latin America has been a fantastic region, especially in these qualifiers, especially in this build-up to the World Cup. And I feel like people are going to be sleeping on them throughout People obviously want to give credit to their European teams, but I think it's time Latin America comes back. I feel like, of course, I'm biased. I'm Latin American myself. I want to see the region do well and everything, but quite frankly, Messi's final tournament, he's going to want to step up. This Brazil team is absolutely amazing. It seems like they're finally back. Of course, it seems like we say this every tournament, but this time it just feels so much different in terms of the guys that they have in the squad. And Uruguay, you have guys like Fernando Muslera, Luis Suarez, Edinson Cavani, it's going to be their last tournaments. And you look at the young guard coming in with Fede Valverde. Darwin, Darwin News. All I got to say is this. I think Uruguay is going to be a fantastic team as well. I have them in the World Cup final. Why? Oof. Because I think they're going to be on the side of the bracket that's going to have a lot more Cinderella story chances. And I think they're going to benefit and make favorable draws. I think they're going to have a favorable draw and they're going to make it all the way to the final. So I'm just saying this is a Latin American World Cup. I would say expect to see Brazil, Uruguay in the final. But, man, it's going to be really interesting to see because is it a hot take? Of course it is. But that's kind of the point of this last segment. Abhinav, let's see what you got to say. What hot takes are you bringing to the table? 
I mean, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna go with one of the most shocking ones here. I think France. I think France will actually, could actually win the World Cup again. And I think it's not gonna be because of Karim Benzema, but it'll be because of Olivier Giroud, right? Every time this man has played for France, he has been he has been class. He didn't even have a shot on target in the 2018 World Cup, yet he was one of their most important players. And I think if, if you're talking about just pure talent, right? This France team is almost unmatched. Right, I think only Brazil comes close in terms of the attack. Right, mm. you have Benzema, you you have Antoine Griezmann. He hasn't been in the greatest of he hasn't been in the greatest of form this year, but he always does turn up for France. Yes, he does. And there's a reason that ever since Didier Deschamps became manager, Antoine Griezmann has never missed a, a tournament. Right, Antoine Griezmann will always get called up for France despite his form at club level because of how he performs for his country. Obviously, you also have Kylian Mbappe. Right now. In terms of his leadership and his character, there's some questions to be asked there. But in terms of talent, I think the guy's an absolute stud. I mean, if he's not if he's not amongst the best young players in the world, most most people would have him at number one, right? You also have players like Usman Dembele, and I think the number one thing that this France team has there is a more there is a weakness in their midfield. I'm not going to deny that that's not true. I don't exactly trust Adrian Rabiot, right? But I think with uh, Aurelien Chouameni and just the way that he's been playing this season, I think he will do a good enough job. And the rest of uh, the squad, especially that back line, it's absolutely sublime. I mean, you have, you have, you have players like William Saliba, right? This man has been one of, if not the best defender in the Premier League this season, right, with Arsenal. Now, that might be my Arsenal fan bias showing a little bit. I'm not going to deny that, but... William Saliba has just been absolutely sublime. You also have Ibrahimo Konate. And the last time Konate played against Vinicius Jr., locked Vinicius him. didn't do too well. He locked him up, right? You also have Benjamin Pavard, who's been solid as a rock for Bayern Munich. Teo Hernandez, who's been just amazing since he's, uh, since he's joined AC Milan, right? You also have, you also have uh, Rafael Varane. And even if he doesn't play as much as he did previously, you have that experience of being a previous World Cup winner. And he also, he's not just a World Cup winner. He's been a serial winner with Real Madrid, right? You also have Karim Benzema, who is, making, who is trying to come back from injury. But ever since Karim Benzema has, ret- uh, has returned to France, right? His club form has been absolutely sublime. His international form has been good. And I think just in terms of talent, this France squad has everything you need to win the World Cup again, right? It's just going to come down to either the draw or it'll come down to how DDA Deschamps manages this team because he didn't do the greatest job at Euro 2020. So there is a little bit of doubt for me in that respect. But even with Didier Deschamps, he's one of the few people who's ever won the World Cup as both a manager and a player. That's true. And almost everyone who uh, talked about Deschamps, they talked about his leadership characteristics, and he was the captain for that French team in 1998. And I think that France actually has the biggest chance out of any not out of any team that's not Brazil or Argentina to win the World Cup, and I think they'll do it. That's a great argument. I wanted to just jump in really quick on that. On you make uh, amazing points, and that defense is scary. If I was Deschamps, I would at least try one of the games for me, a Konate Saliba partnership, because that would literally just be end game. Absolutely. Saliba is a Rolls Royce, and Konate is himself a Rolls Royce. Those two defenders next to each other, they're both Colossuses. They're both strong. They're both quick, both young. It's scary, actually, to see how much uh, defensive threat 
that France carry, especially with Theo Hernandez on, 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 the, on, the, on the left flank, absolute amazing player. Um, as well as Pavard, uh, we were given, we have a couple of Bayern fans, as we, we, we know a couple of Bayern fans, as we know. And I've definitely read a lot of Pavard stick over the past couple of seasons, but this season, for sure, he's definitely, definitely uh, brought in his game up again. So that's great to see because we all know he has the quality. I mean, who can forget that goal against uh, Argentina? Nobody. One of the best goals ever scored in a World Cup final. Mm. But that midfield is very, very, very uninspiring, at least in my eyes. Like you said, Alorraine Shuamani is an absolute stud, but I feel like he's going to have to put out a lot of fires in that midfield. Adrian Rabio does not inspire me with the most confidence, as well as Matteo Ganduzzi. Uh, uh, Jordan Vertu, um, or Yusuf Afana. All, those are all three league league midfielders. I'm not trying to disparage league in any sense, but when you look at some of the midfield battles that they're going to have to encounter in this tournament, like I said earlier with Denmark, Denmark's midfield is way more balanced than France. And for me, Absolutely. games are games are won and lost in the midfield. If you can't hold the ball down, you can't create nothing. You're going to be on the back foot the whole game. Denmark has the quality, whether it be through open play or set piece, to Nick one or two, and like you said, uh, I think Abnav, where when we were talking about Belgium, where if they're on the back foot, or was it uh, Julian, where they're sure they're a quality side, but if they're two goals down on the back foot, it's, you're going already digging yourself out of a hole, which is not ideal. France does have great attacking and defensive quality, but that midfield really is uninspiring for me, at least in my opinion. That's why I actually had them under my surprisingly bad uh, category just because I'm also thinking about the World Cup winner's curse, too. Mm. Uh, as you know, Spain won in 2010, absolutely horrific 2014 World Cup. Uh, Germany won in 2014, absolutely horrendous World Cup in 2018. Uh, Italy won the World Cup in 06, horrendous World Cup in 2010. You know, there's a pattern here. Obviously, patterns are meant to be broken, but I got pretty good historical evidence saying that the World Cup winners are going to choke, so. That's just what that's the main reason why I'm going for uh, to just to put, put um, France in a surprisingly bad. I know we finished that. Uh, I just wanted to throw that in there. Um, and then if uh, yeah, that's just all I had to say on that one. Yeah, but Mal, there's some other hot takes I know you got out there. Let them fly. Oh, what do you feel? Come on, man. You already know. Um, I'm gonna be honest. It's I mean it's not really a hot take because the way Abdaf put it down, I agree with him a million percent. I think the USA are gonna finish bottom of their group, not only just because of their tactics, and I don't have any faith in uh, Burhalter. Not that I want to have faith because I despise the United States men's national team. Um, you gotta think about who else is in that group. England, far and away the favorites as they should be. Wales, I feel like aren't being talked enough in this tournament. They have a really really uh, exciting uh, attacking core bringing to this tournament. Dan James, Brendan Aronson, Kiefer Moore, and Gareth Bale all going to be in the mix in the front. And uh, think just thinking about that U.S. team, Tim Ream is probably going to be starting at center back. You get a ball over the top of Tim Ream with Dan James, Brendan Aronson running behind, it's already, you know, it's not looking good. So, Plus, with Kiefer Moore, 6'4", target man, striker, they could definitely turn over the United States, as well with Iran. Mm. I'm really, really looking forward to uh, a Mehdi Taremi uh, Asmund uh, striker partnership. That's going to be uh, exciting as well. Iran do have uh, Ariza Yahambakshash. I don't know how to pronounce his name. I might have butchered his name. Uh, plays for Feyenoord, if I'm not mistaken. 
having him in the midfield, uh, he's got quality. I think Iran has enough to turn over the United States. So taking all into account the group that they're in, who they're playing, I don't think the United States are going to do great at all. Uh, but unfortunately, that's going to lead me to my second point. Mexico, we're going to finish bottom as well. As a Mexican fan, I literally almost passed out saying that. But the thing is, we got to be real. Not too excited about the squad. We brought on a couple notable admissions. Santi Jimenez should have been on that plane. No doubt about it in my mind. One of our best young players. We don't have many. Uh, would have been nice to get him a, some game time, but no. Tata Martino thinks otherwise. Uh, also, our manager is Tata Martino. So, again, that's also not a great look for us. Um, another big problem with this squad is age. Hmm. We are an aging squad. That midfield is containing Guardado, who's played. He's in playing. He played in the 06 World Cup. This is his fifth World Cup. And he's most likely going to be a starter. Hmm. Experience is great, but let's be real. No grandpa should be starting in the midfield for a World Cup. <laughs> Same thing with Hector Herrera. He's like, it's, it's, this, this midfield literally brings tears to my eyes in a bad way. We are so uninspiring that I genuinely, it, it hurts for me to say this, but if Mexico had a bad World Cup, it'd be good for Mexico. Hmm. Because if Mexico were to get out of this group and do what we do every single World Cup and go to the round of 16 and get knocked out, hey, we made it out the group. We did what we could do, you know? It's that level of complacency that Mexico is, the Mexican national team is the way it is today. Complacency, corruption, and overall, there's just no passion anymore for this team. And it's, it, it's, it's hard to watch, to see something that made me so proud of my heritage and all of this and my country to now, literally every time I look at the Mexican flag I have in my room with a little bit of shame, like, dude, we're going to be embarrassingly bad. The few positives of Mexico, Harvey Lozano, Alexis Vega, really, really exciting wingers. Uh, Vega can play through the middle, too. He's a goal threat. Lozano's going to have to do his thing this tournament if Mexico want to do anything good. He's been on great form for Napoli this season, so I won't doubt it. Edson Alvarez is a great CDM. He's going to hold it down in that midfield. He's going to have to because he's the only one with any sort of legs in that team. Hmm. And um, another one more player just to throw out there is going to be Eric Gutierrez. He's had a good uh, season so far for PSV. Hopefully... He gets to start over Herrera or Guardado because it's going to be a long tournament for us and not in a good way. And that might not be a hot take because it is Mexico and we always get out in the round of 16. But mm. if you would have asked me in 2018, in 2014, in 2010, where Mexico was going to finish, I would have told you we're winning the fucking World Cup. What are you talking about? Mm. But unfortunately, this is the first World Cup in my memory where I am genuinely terrified for Mexico going into this uh world cup hmm. not necessarily a hot take more of a sad depressed rant on the state of mexican football but i'm just going to say from the bottom of my heart don't expect much from us this tournament as much as it pains me to say i already went with uh france going out early as a hot take i can see that is a hot take for sure just to throw another one in there um i know julian wasn't too high on portugal uh just because of that I want, I'm going to say Portugal are going to have a decent tournament. I do like 
their defense. Now, Pepe is old, but he's a stalwart. He does bring quality. He does bring experience. Uh, Ruben Diaz, quality. Nunez and Joao Cancelo on the uh, wing back, absolutely dynamic, full of pace, going to be looking to run up and down. And especially with this Portugal team, uh, I was talking about it earlier in terms of weakness with their CDMs, Danilo Pereira or William Carvalho, even Ruben Neves. They have they, the the midfield might lack a little bit of pace, but with that, with, with when you have such dynamic fullbacks, especially players like Joao Cancelo, they're going to tuck into that midfield to provide a little bit of cover as well. Um, and then that forward line, Joao Felix, Diego Simeone has blood on his hands, but that doesn't take anything away from the player that he still is and what he can bring to this team. Rafael Leal, absolutely insane player, really direct. Uh, Portugal's going to definitely need that. And then, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo, a lot of controversy uh, over what he uh, recently came up with in the media. Um, also, his performances hasn't been the greatest this season, but at the end of the day, you can never, ever, ever take away the fact that he lives for this shit. I'm not even going to lie. He lives for this shit, especially now. In my personal opinion, I feel like he would be never be more motivated to have a good World Cup than right now. You know what I'm saying? And that is a hot take because hmm. he's, what, 37, 38? He's having a pretty not great season, but it's Ronaldo. More importantly, it's Portugal. Anytime hmm. Portugal needs anything, who do they look to? Ronaldo, he has that quality in him. So I'm ex- I am I would say Portugal can definitely make it to the quarters. Anything uh, past there would be a good tournament in my eyes for them. But I, I would like to see, well, I think Portugal are going to have a, a good tournament. And that's about it. I don't have that many hot takes. Fair. Well, on that note, guys, this Qatar World Cup is going to be something absolutely crazy to watch. It's going to be very interesting to see what ends up popping up. And apart from myself, apart from Mal, apart from Abhinav, the whole team at the Intermission Sports have been working really hard. We put out World Cup previews, other World Cup hot takes, and expect more content throughout this tournament from us. So stay tuned. Be happy with it. Check out theintermissionsports.com for more content. With that being said, I think that is a great way to wrap up this podcast. I've been Julia Quintero, joined as always by Mauricio Ponce and Abhinav Tirumala. You guys have an absolutely fantastic rest of your day. It was well, sir. Thank you very much.